Hey everybody, thanks for joining me. Uh, <clears throat> this is another episode of And What Did We Learn? Uh, it's just me today. I am covering um, one of the newest episodes of Intervention. I believe it's the second to newest at, at the moment that I'm recording this, um, which is July 2nd. Uh, and it is season 22, episode, episode 14. And it focuses on Kelsey. Um, Kelsey is an, a really interesting character, and this is a really interesting episode. Um, one of the reasons that I chose it, to be honest, okay, so there's this is twofold. The reason I probably already was very interested in intervention, but the reason I am choosing to cover it right now is it just it's very fitting. It, um, it's play, it play, um, it reflects a big part of what's going on in the life of someone that I love. I'm not gonna give a bunch of stuff away because that person deserves privacy, but I am <clears throat> having a really hard time lately uh, with someone that I love so much being um, someone that I can't reach out to because to do so at this point is only to enable because things have gotten really bad. Um, and it's very hard to feel powerless. It's very hard to feel scared. It's very hard because you feel angry too. You feel all the things. Um, and it's okay to feel those things, but you end up, I end up feeling guilty regardless. And watching intervention for me, yeah, it's entertaining, of course, but it provides me with perspective. And by that, I, I also mean perspective from the addict, uh, as well as perspective from the family members and friends and those. And then, then of, of course, there is the the aspect of the the possibility of a happy ending, and that is is hopeful. We all want to feel like we have some way of protecting those that we love. So, long story short, um, I love wa watching intervention and covering it already. Um, this particular case. Um, I chose, well, this show I chose for the reason I just said in this particular episode, it's not so much about that person that I'm speaking of specifically. Um, the reason I chose this episode is actually more just about my own work with children who have, um, any kind of disability. Um, usually it's usually developmental or social, um, and some, some kids have what's called oppositional defiance disorder. And it's where it's like any chance they get, they'll be disagreeable, but it's a, it's a compulsion, right? It's a, it's a disorder. Um, and that can be really hard to come against and especially for parents of other children. And it can be really, really isolating to be somebody that deals with that or to be somebody who has a child that deals with that. And I, I guess I just kind of wanted to shine a light on the fact that, simply because somebody is aggressive or upset a lot, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are unkind. Plenty of people are, but we need to also understand that there are a plethora of behavioral or developmental or even 
neurological uh, diagnoses that occur frequently these days. Um, and we want to pay attention to those because the sooner we do, we, the sooner anybody's disability is identified and the sooner it can be helped and that person can just be more and more successful in society, even if it is, you know, something that inherent initially, not inherently initially makes them appear aggressive. So anyway, um, you'll understand why that has anything to do with this as I start talking about Kelsey. Uh, but I do think Kelsey as an individual is very traumatized and is really just trying to survive. And I think that that is where their violence and tantrum like behavior is coming from. And I get it like to a certain degree, I get where it's coming from. So um, to introduce it, really, we just get this idea of Kelsey. You know, she, we don't really learn much about her background yet. All we know is um, she's, she's young. They haven't set her age yet at this point. She's very young. She was really talented at sports, but all of a sudden, quote unquote, she became, you know, really aggressive and addicted to drugs. And now no one can control her. This is the family's narrative, right? This is not including any of the details that are um, given to us as we go on. Um, and basically her path in, in terms of using went from alcohol to various drugs like Coke. Um, but unfortunately now Kelsey is addicted to meth, crystal meth, as well as alcohol. So before I say much more, I'm just going to describe the first scene. Um, it's not really worth playing because there's not so much dialogue. It just gives us the idea that Kelsey has uh, a really loving family as far as we can see. She has an older sister who has a daughter. The older sister is also getting married. So Kelsey is invested in this, her sister's life as well as her nieces. Her niece is named Emma. And it's like, oh, this is the light in Kelsey's life. But then if it cuts to, okay, Kelsey is done trying on dresses because she needs to go get high. And then that's where it kind of turns ugly. So I'm going to start the clip there and then she'll do the, you know, um, whatever, what are they called? The talking head where she ex expresses why she's being um, filmed or why she believes she's being filmed. So I'll just um, start it from there. And here we go. It's all because of drugs and alcohol. She's an alcoholic. She's an addict. Kelsey, can you try a dress on? Because I want you to try that one on. No, I have no idea. One more. One more. You want to come? One more. Just one more, Kelsey. She is pretty amazing. My name is Kelsey. I'm an alcoholic and addicted to meth. Oh, can we please go home, Mom? Okay, so that's it now. Kelsey, I think you've had enough. I don't think you need this. Mom, I don't. No. Put it back. You've had enough. Put it back. No. Put it back it's... now. Why? Because I'm going to take a swig of whiskey then. You want to act like this in front of your niece? You're pissing me off. I was smoking about a gram a day, drinking about a 60-pounder a day. Smoking meth combined with alcohol? You don't, this is, a, it's a demon. Give her a head back. Please, mommy. Give her the head back. Oh, sakes. 
Kelsey, she goes completely psychotic. You're lying. Lying. Get off. Get off of me. She's broken phones. She's broken cameras. She's smashed almost every door in my house as a fist mark. She's hit me. She's punched me. She's thrown things at me. She's thrown me into walls. Get the out of my life. The language, the the look on her face, the violence. Not scared of nothing. I'm trying to help you. Get off! Get off me! You're hurting me, your mother! What are you doing? We've thrown her out. We've had the police at our house so many times. We can call the police. So for a long time, she's been living on the streets. We were scared of her. Okay, so I know that that was not fun to listen to, um, and I apologize, but I just kind of like I said, I wanted to highlight right off the bat how aggressive this person is, and the reason that that's so important, other than the fact that it's like, wow, that person's really losing their shit, because, excuse me, of course, what you could not see, but you did hear, was a ton of physical and verbal aggression coming from Kelsey towards her parents, towards her siblings, towards anyone that was around. You know, just fury, absolute fury. Um, whether they were trying to influence her or not, really, whether they were trying to take her beer or not, she seems to randomly attack as well. Um, and that's not from nothing. You know what I mean? So obviously meth leads to can absolutely lead to psychosis and i believe that's playing a part here but i also believe there's a big background um behind this rage and you know that's uh, it's explained throughout the episode uh but i really wanted to play that clip because i felt it was important to understand how out of control just the behavior is because a lot of episodes of intervention it's like, wow, the drug use is out of control, or it's really sad what situation they're in, or, you know, they're using the people around them. But it it's not every episode that you look at someone and you think, wow, I feel like I can see them, like their brain just disintegrating before my eyes, or I can see them almost explode and I, I can't even believe they're still alive. You know, that's not always... The case. Um, so to me, it's notable, um, but yeah, it's definitely upsetting to hear. And I will definitely post some trigger warnings now that I'm talking about that, um, because obviously it's really important that everybody know what they're in for. So after we hear about Kelsey being, you know, just kind of out of control, we start to see like a day in the life of Kelsey and we learn really early on that unfortunately Kelsey depends financially depends a lot on men and uh you know this is how she procures a lot of her drugs and alcohol um and also this is really upsetting because she becomes generally I'm like I'm trying to be careful with my wording because I have no judgment towards this person um, and I don't feel like the family is speaking with judgment either. Kelsey, because of the circumstances that she is in, she becomes um, a victim of a, a lot of abuse, of a lot of, I'm sure, unwanted sex, um, violence. You know, not all of it is explained, but Kelsey's situation is not 
chill. We see her in the parking lot of like a gas station, just kind of bumming out with these guys. And then we jump right into explanations from her family about how abusive the relationships she gets into are and how, gosh, okay. Okay. I don't want to say this the wrong way, but in the sense of one, not valuing oneself, Kelsey acts as, as if she does not value herself when she is with these guys. That's I'll put it that way because I don't want to say she let something happen or she wanted something to happen. I want to say she's incapacitated because she feels that she's worthless and therefore abusers are can easily take advantage of her, unfortunately. So we get to hear from Kelsey about that just, just a little bit here and I want to play this. Um, clip for every for everybody. Well, most of my um, boyfriends have been drug dealers. It's uh, an adrenaline rush, knowing that you're dating somebody that will, will protect you. So if anybody with you, they would beat the out of them. But also, if they get angry, they beat the out of me. She has boyfriends that would come to the house and destroy the property. She's addicted to violence. I'm gonna f up. Hey, 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 what are you doing? She thinks she's tough. Well, she's not tough. What the f are you looking at, dumb bitch? It's in her head. There's no sense whatsoever. The result is only gonna end bad. Hello, give them a swift. <sighs> All right. So obviously that's pretty upsetting. Um, we see that Kelsey is just pretty much out of control all the time, um, is really fearless in a way that's dangerous. Like, again, doesn't value herself and therefore is like seeking danger. And that, that's a symptom of a lot of different ailments, especially PTSD, um, you know, doing really, partaking in really risky behavior, despite the fact that you know that it could kill you. Like that is not something that I've experienced, but that's actually a pretty common, or at least a known experience of people who have PTSD. And as we're going to learn pretty quickly in this episode, spoiler alert, th there's trauma in Kelsey's past. So Kelsey is reckless. Um, is behaving in a reckless manner when she is on what she's on the meth and the alcohol and it's clearly it's really out of control and like just in a descriptive way like she's a very small girl lady um but she's got such a her face is very very puffy and i have to wonder because in pictures of her from the past she doesn't look this way and so i just you have to wonder looking at it if it's symptomatic of the alcohol and drug use you know it, it's something that is it doesn't seem like it was it's natural i guess i'll say um, but i'm not gonna start use any derogatory terms because this person is obviously a victim <laughs> So we get word from uh, Kelsey's parents, essentially letting us know that things had gotten so bad. She was out there really in danger, not taking care of herself. And they were getting calls from the cops. So they decided, okay, 
we're her parents. What else can we do? And this is really common. And they decided we'll take, we'll take her and we'll, we'll fix it. We'll be able to fix it. Um, which is like no fault to them. That's a really common thing that happens. And it's really just, unfortunately, not usually enough, um, when someone's really addicted or really traumatized or really, um, ill in whatever way they are. And so, they said, yeah, we, you know, we let Kelsey move in and it was good for like a day, <laughs> you know, and then suddenly this, you know, these, the intense level of physical abuse starts, starts up again, just at this, like at this, at level 10. And there's home video of Kelsey just like attacking her mother again and her father being like, get off, get off, get off. Um, the grandmother is like, that's my fucking kid. Don't you touch my daughter. Speaking of Kelsey's mother, because Kelsey's grandmother is furious because she's protecting her own child. You know, it's very serious. Like you can't choke people. That's not, that is no joke. This is like, and if you don't watch this episode or you don't prefer to, or you haven't, or you don't have access, just to, to be clear, like what she's doing in these videos is really dangerous she's really, really inflicting a lot of harm on her. It's, she could have easily killed her mom. It's a, it's, it's a miracle that she didn't, honestly. Um, it's probably just because her dad was there and also she's so small, but Jesus, like, yeah, it's really fucked up. So basically the dad is saying, you know, she's been to rehab for one day and quit. She's been for rehab for one week and quit. She's been to rehab for one month and quit. We, we don't know what to do. We absolutely have no idea what to do. It's, we either leave her out on the street and wait for her to die and live in guilt, or we live in hell, but she's home and we can at least take care of her. And during this, you can see her stumbling up the stairs, her mom, like fully walking her up the stairs because she's so drunk or I'm assuming because she's so drunk because it's like not really a meth thing. Um, she's so fucked up that her mom has to carry her up the stairs. And it's just, it's one thing for it to be that burden of like, wow, my, my daughter is drunk and high every day and I have to assist her like she's a baby. But then the, the violence on top of that, she's also literally committing domestic violence, regardless of her trauma. Like that's not cool. I, I'm not trying to say that that's okay. She's putting you in harm's way in many, many ways. Most specifically, she's like physically trying to harm you. How do you, how do you exist in that house? Like how, how do you, I would leave. I would just, I don't know what I would do. I honestly don't. Um, how could I possibly know what I would do? I, I don't have children, let alone do I have adult children, let alone do I have adult children struggling with mental illness? I am just baffled by this. But anyway, um, to, to take a little break from me speaking, um, I want to play a clip, you know, the classic intervention clip that's sort of like a look back on so-and-so's life. So we're going to look back on Kelsey's life. You know, we've got the baby pictures and everything going on. So let's listen to some of her background and see if that sheds a light. Kelsey was born on Christmas Eve, so what a Christmas present for me to bring her home. We were all nice and cozy. Myself, my other daughter, Charlie, my wife, watching her uh, start life. She was great. She was a happy child. She's like her dad, great sense of humor. She was always laughing. Charlie and Kelsey, 
they're only a year and a half apart. Planned it that way, you know, just so they become friends and you now grow up together and look out for each other. I was the shy, timid one, and she was the loud, outgoing, fearless one, the daredevil. She wasn't afraid to be herself around anybody. She had to be the boss. I mean, when she was with the kids and playing tag, she had to be it. But she always had a good sense of humor and always had a kind soul. She had lots of friends. She got A pluses. She never had to study. She was very smart. Kelsey, Charlie, and I played competitive soccer together. She was very outgoing. And from there on out, all, all three of us stuck together pretty much every day. We were our best friends. Kelsey was one of the best players on the team. She was going to go really far in soccer. Soccer was my life. I got offered a scholarship. And then in high school, she started to get pretty self-conscious about herself. I wanted to be skinny so guys would like me more. And I would overeat and i throw it up. So actually she became quite bulimic. And it still continues to this day, except right now that she's using alcohol or drugs, she's not eating at all. So now it's the opposite. So then I got really skinny, really, really, really skinny. She was very popular with the boys. She wanted to be the party girl. So she'd sneak out, she'd go to parties. She still played soccer and she still did really well at soccer. And she was on the honor roll. And then I it up when I got raped because I started using drugs. I got raped the first time close to Halloween. I forget what day it was. I was 14, he was 28. It completely destroyed me as a human being. It turned me into a very angry person. It um, made me lash out. Okay, you guys. Um, I know that's a lot. Whew. So there's a lot behind Kelsey's behavior. Um, and the fact that she says, oh, I fucked it up by getting raped is just heartbreaking on so many levels because not only is the rape not her fault but clearly she felt it was and she never reported it and therefore she internalized it unfortunately which happens most often with trauma like that especially sexual trauma at a young age um but even before that oh she was quite bulimic like there's no quite like bulimia is very serious uh, as somebody who's survived it I can say, like, I was afraid of dying all the time because I'm not unaware of the risks. I never was. But I was ill, and my mind was warring with itself. So there's no such thing as being quite bulimic or a little bulimic. If, if you're, and I'm not judging anybody because this is, literally, this was my life for the, my formative years, but if you feel like everything you consume you need to purge or even if you only do it once in a while the idea that you feel that you need to do that unless you're in physical pain that's not a little bit of anything that's not quite anything that's 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 harmful to yourself and you don't deserve that self-harm and you and you deserve help and you deserve to say no nah, i don't want to do this anymore it's not worth it because it's never worth it so 
yeah, Kelsey also struggles with eating disorders. Um, that wasn't why I mentioned the chubby cheeks, but looking at it, I, I can see that that is probably a big contributor. Um, cheek swelling can be a, a common symptom of purging. Um, just face swelling in general, which I can attest to. It's very true. Um, my eyes used to puff up the most. I didn't really have a cheek thing, but it, my eyes would get really puffy and red. And so I would, a lot of times if I were in public and I were leaving, I would like pretend to be sneezing when I got out of the bathroom. Like, don't try that. That's not a pro tip. That's just like how sad it was for me. I, that's, that was my cover. Um, and I guess what's sadder is that like everybody bought it. Um, but yeah, God damn it. Kelsey was raped. Like there's, there's nothing okay about this. It's Kelsey is very, very traumatized and unfortunately hasn't had the help that she needs. And on top of that, um, unfortunately, Kelsey didn't feel safe or sorry, I think I'm a little too close to the mic. So if that blasted your eardrums, I apologize. I don't think, in my opinion, it's most common that when someone doesn't report a rape, it's because they don't believe that they'll be believed. Um, and a lot of times they think it's their fault or they're afraid of repercussions. There's a lot of reasons that that can happen. Um, I don't really love that the mom frames it like, instead of asking for help, she did this. It's like <sighs> a, a young woman who's raped, like a young woman who's raped, she's not going to sit there and be like, well, I'm not going to ask for help. Meh. That is not an act of spite. And it's also not her fault. So it's, to me, it's a little bit of a victim blaming, though I do understand her mother is extremely frustrated with the way things are now um, and how things have escalated. So looking back, I'm sure she's exasperated, feeling like, wow, I could have helped. I could have stopped this early on. And that's something that happens to loved ones of addicts. You know, they become codependent and as resentful as they may be, they, I should also say we, because I have definitely fallen into this category with a friend, um, feel like it was their job to prevent it somehow. And so even though one might be frustrated with the addict, they're also doing that, what we call like bargaining kind of bargaining, like, well, if only this had happened, that I could have done this. And, you know, it's a stage of grief, but it's also just a, a way, it's just like a method of anxiety. Like, I have a lot of my own bargaining mind patterns that go on uh, over a myriad of topics. Uh, but yeah, so Kelsey didn't feel safe. So that's why I put it that way. Kelsey didn't feel safe enough in her own way as a young, 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 young girl, teenager, to tell anybody what had happened and she had her reasons clearly that's not something someone does selfishly that's something someone does to protect themselves however misguided it may be it doesn't matter that's what their trump that's what their fight or flight instinct is telling them to do um so i don't think anyone deserves blame for that and i'm saying that also because i don't think i deserve blame for not telling somebody that i was molested when i was super young because i didn't even know what to say um, it didn't even, I didn't have vocabulary for it. It wasn't even like, oh, I had the conscious ability to think no one will listen or no one will trust me. It was like, I didn't even know who was in the wrong. I was so young. So, you know, there's a lot, always a lot of different circumstances to every story. Um, and the fact that somebody is an addict or has an eating disorder or 
any kind of illness that stems from trauma or can stem from trauma, I don't think we can place fault for that because it's unfair. Um, we could we can place responsibility for the actions, um, but the genesis of that, I just want to say it's not Kelsey's fault that she was hurt. Um, so anyway, um, off my soapbox, <laughs> um, now we get into, okay, wow, this clearly was a slippery slide into mayhem for her. And uh, so we find out, you know, shortly after the rape that her parents, I'm assuming at the time, still didn't know about, though it's not, I can't remember if they say when she told the parents eventually. Uh, I did not write that down, but I'm assuming at this time, you know, they still don't know. All they know is that she is slipping into secretly drinking, um, becoming very uh, aggressive, getting into fights, um, which again is also a, another big sign that someone has experienced a trauma because that's like, you know, that's the fight or flight. And so if you are in PTSD land, <laughs> as I like to say, uh, if it is, if you are having post-traumatic stress, I don't even need to put the D in there. If you're having post-traumatic stress, um, fight is an instinct that comes up. And I'm sure Kelsey, my impression is Kelsey's never felt safe. That's just kind of how I'll put it. And that doesn't mean I'm blaming her parents. Um, but when you're, you know, at least ever since she was assaulted. So we'll hear some thoughts from her sister, her older sister, as well as, um, you know, her father and other people in her life about how things snowballed after this and how they thought, you know, it was going to turn around. But alas, unfortunately, it didn't at the time. So here's some audio of that. That's when the heavy drinking started. I'd find a liquor bottle and she'd say, oh, mom, it's her boyfriend's. Don't worry about it. It was excessive. It was hiding liquor so that she could drink it whenever she wanted. She started smoking weed and then very quickly moved up to ecstasy, moving up to cocaine, and then further and further. The first time I did cocaine, it made me energized. It made me happy. I was doing it only on the weekends and then a couple of days a week. And then I started doing it every day. So we find out here, we were given um, text that by the time Kelsey was 17, she was drinking heavily and using three and a half grams of cocaine a day. Look, I don't use cocaine, I ever have. I don't know from numbers, <laughs> but man, that doesn't seem good. It seems like, okay, I'm not even, I'm actually not even gonna make any guesses. Um, I'm gonna let the clip go. <laughs> she was at the point of controlling it and act normal while she used it, so that's how she got through school. It was a good time. The market was booming here. It was a guaranteed job, pretty much. I liked the people I worked with, and I uh, excelled at it. But I was doing coke at work, so I was making really bad mistakes on checks. Um, like two hundred and like fifty thousand dollar checks and I kept coming in with black eyes because that's when I was dating this other coke dealer. 
The high hopes that they had for her were dashed and she got fired. Get out of my face, please. Mother. Can you stop hating me, you stupid Every relationship Kelsey has been in ended in violence. I've been raped. I've been beaten. And I've been held hostage before. All the sexual abuse that she had and the beatings that she's had, she struggles every day with PTSD. She has severe anxiety. She gets severely depressed. So the liquor and the drugs make her feel normal. Okay, so mom put air quotes around normal. I don't blame her for that. Kelsey's clearly not thriving. Um, I'm going to tread lightly here because my experience is not anybody else's experience. I'm aware of that. I know you guys know that, but I'm just trying to put it out there. I, I'm aware of that. Um, wow, this is like kind of on the nose for me right now um, without giving any identifying details away. Um, well, as I've shared many, many, many times, I've like I just was talking about, I was molested as a child. It led to a lot of issues that I didn't understand. And unfortunately, my parents didn't understand either growing up because they didn't know. They had no idea that I had been uh, molested. And um, I really internalized it and uh, kind of patched over it in my mind as, as it happens with trauma sometimes. Um, but I, much like Kelsey, as soon as I was in any kind of relationship, it was even before when I liked somebody romantically, you know, which didn't happen until I was in high school, at least because I was pretty afraid of men. I'm attracted to men, but just because that's the way I'm wired. But um, I'm also afraid of them. Like I have, I, I had a phobia of men and of like penises specifically. Sorry if anyone from my family is listening, but here we are. Um, so that was really, really challenging for me. Um, and so being in a relationship with a guy or having feelings for a guy, I immediately felt, well, I'm powerless, you know, I'm powerless. Like I'm not in control. What I want doesn't matter. That is where my brain went because of where I was psychologically. It wasn't a poor me thing. I didn't say that to people. I didn't write it in my journal. It wasn't any sort of attention seeking thing. It wasn't even something I knew about myself. I just thought that's the way I am. I, I really like, it sounds strange, but I didn't know myself. I didn't know that my brain was so ill. I knew I was different than people, but I just thought that was a personal flaw. Like I just thought everything about me was a personal flaw. And I see that that's Kelsey's struggle as well. So despite the fact that Kelsey managed to get through college, even after such horrible trauma and being, um, you know, capitalizing on that trauma, not intentionally, but falling into patterns with more abusers, because that's what she, I'm sure that's what she felt she was worth, what she deserved. Um, at least that's how it was for me. And it ever it be so subconscious. I remember wondering why in God's great, like why the fuck when I was, you know, 21 through or 22 through 27 or 26, why am I with somebody who's hurting me? Why am I with somebody who's beating me up? Why am I with somebody who might kill me? Like why? Like what? 
but I was never like, oh, it's his fault. You know, I, I was like, wow, it's my fault for being here. It's my fault for making him mad. It's my fault for this. I just suck. I make people this way. So that's, again, that's just my experience, but that is, that's, that's what I felt or thought even didn't even always think just assumed believed and i know it was really hard for the people around me my family especially my family I, I, i'll say friends like real friends not the shithead friends i had at the time they, they were not they weren't friends um you know who you are huh? i'm sure you're not listening but if you are <laughs> thanks for nothing um but the real friends i had i kind of kept at bay because i knew that they would care the shit friends I had didn't give a shit. <laughs> it would like happen in front of them and they didn't care. But um, uh, my family, um, you know, was really concerned. And especially because for a lot of this relationship, I lived with my sister. And I absolutely was like one of these people on intervention. I, I wasn't confronted for substance abuse. I was confronted because it was clear that there was something really, really wrong in my relationship. And... Um, you know, at one point I did tell my sister a little bit about it. And instead of being like, thanks for looking out for me, my sister, like, uh, thank you family for being here for me. All I could do was get scared and think, well, I can't lose that person that I'm with the person that, you know, has choked me out more than once. I can't lose them because I don't deserve anybody. So I'm so, I'm just lucky enough to have them. And so it really turned me like not against my family, but against myself in that I absolutely was like, fuck all of you. Like, I didn't say that, but I was just like, don't you dare like intervene on me. Like, don't you put yourself in my business. You don't understand. I'm terrible. This is all my fault. Anytime he's ever hurt me, it's my fault. I know that's not true, but at the time I believed it. And my poor sister was so, so hurt and so scared and so sad and I really, really regret that. Um, I mean, I'm glad that I'm out of it, but I'm really sorry for that. So if, if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I know you don't like the intervention episodes so much, but, um, and I know I've apologized, or I hope I've apologized, but I'm kind of an over-apologizer. <laughs> Jen, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, and also to my parents, like no one deserved to be, uh, experiencing that kind of fear and pain, you know, on my behalf, like even if I wasn't the one inflicting the abuse. So I guess that's kind of why I am saying like, I know my experience isn't everybody's, but being, having been in Kelsey's place in a lot of ways, minus the drugs, um, I can just, I just see it for what it is. I think I see it for what it was for me. Um, and so yeah, that's sharing hour for me, I guess. <laughs> it's been a heavy day. I've been talking, I've been talking to my BetterHelp therapist a lot <laughs> today. Um, so I'm just a little overly emotional, but if anybody is listening and they're listening this far, you probably already are a listener and know me, or you like me enough to keep listening. So hopefully that's cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's my, that's my two cents, 10 cents, a hundred cents. That's my full dollar on, um, kind of the, the domestic violence and rape aspect of this, I almost said case, <laughs> like it's a crime. Um, this uh, episode, I, I've been listening to true crime podcasts, wine and crime, what's up? <laughs> so of course, I want to call everything a case. All right. So 
Um, following this, cl the clip that you just heard, you know, we're now we're learning about the rapid descent of Kelsey and no one knows what, you know, following this, no one knows what to do because she's in these relationships and she can't seem to get out of them. She's so involved in drugs. That's her lifestyle. She's bulimic. I mean, like I said, guys, I can't help but relate in a lot of ways, even though I never had this rage. Um, I had it inside. I just didn't, it didn't come out of me the way it does for Kelsey. And that's just because we're different types of people and we're wired differently. And then we responded to trauma differently. Um, but yeah, everybody's really frustrated and also concerned and scared and unhappy, um, including Kelsey, who is trying to say like, yeah, it was fun. It was, I almost said it was jokes. So I've been hanging out with Justine so much. Um, it was fun. It was great. It was a party. But when she's saying it, it's just so draped in irony because she's puffy. She's miserable. She's so unhappy. She's so unhealthy, you know, in her talking heads. Um, it's really, really, <laughs> truly heartbreaking. Um, I wasn't laughing. I was just trying to say like, it's just kind of me being like, wow, wow, fuck. <laughs> so the hits keep coming and we learn, you know, 18 months ago or from when this was recorded 18 months ago, Kelsey started using crystal meth. And as anybody who's heard anything about meth knows, it's a pretty quick descent. I understand that there are a lot of like myths about meth and there are people that want us to understand that. And I, I fully, I am not, this isn't me judging anybody who's ever been addicted to meth. This is just me acknowledging how quickly the drug can take over and that truly anybody can become a victim. Um, it's not me being like, ah, face is a myth, Blah. you know, it's just, wow, it's scary. And um, I'm bringing this up because it's a huge deal. And it's obviously her primary addiction at this point, but also because um, the introduction of meth spikes her psychosis, or that's what they call it. I will get to it, but um, she disputes this diagnosis, but eventually she becomes diagnosed with psychosis. Um, which is, uh, like if somebody goes into a psychotic state, it means that they don't understand reality versus imagination. And generally speaking, they don't understand right from wrong. So they're like, you know, somebody that loses complete control might completely, you know, it's psychotic, a psychotic episode can be used as a, like, a, an argument in like a murder trial. Um, like, oh, they're not really bad. They just had a psychotic episode. What this person, Kelsey, gets diagnosed with is like psychosis. So a general state of not understanding the difference between reality and imaginary. And I think she's given that diagnosis largely because though she loves her parents very much, she is continuously violent against them. And when she gets into these states, it's like she doesn't it's she's dissociated. It's like she's not there. She, it's not her. Um, a lot of people mistake schizophrenia for this. Um, and though schizophrenia can sometimes rarely lead to violence, it's much, much less likely. It's usually more just effective, like affected on the individual. Uh, but so psychosis is different. And I'm no, I'm not an expert. I just understand the difference between the two. Um, somebody who's psychotic is much more likely to act out and attack because 
there seems to be a fair amount of paranoia that goes with it, like, and in, in, in acting on that paranoia, like a paranoia against others, as opposed to a paranoia against like, in, you know, this entity that your mind believes is real, which is often the case for schizophrenics. Anyway, I, again, not the expert on those things, so I'm not going to keep talking <laughs> like I am. Um, but uh, something that really strikes me is that uh, though though she's going through all of this and though she's done some really awful things, Kelsey, against her family members, um, she really doesn't agree that she has psychosis. Um, and that's probably a sh another shame thing, I would think. It's scary. It's a terrifying di diagnosis to get, especially if you're not taking care of yourself and you want to continue using drugs. Like you don't want to, no, I'm not psychotic. It's just the drugs, right? But also, as we know, meth can induce psychosis. So I, in my super amateur opinion, I think it's a mixture of chemical stuff and the drug, like her, her own chemistry, the drugs and her trauma and perhaps how, you know, her personality, how she's wired to begin with. But if you're using meth and you have PTSD and you're um, drinking and you're homeless, as we know, because she's so violent that her parents couldn't keep her with them. And I'm going to play a clip in a second. I know this top half is clip heavy, but like, Jesus, this, this episode uh, is just absolutely wild. Um, and I really feel you're going to hear the dad here, the, the dad, the brother who talks about, you know, she came home. The mom says she came home. We couldn't keep her there. She got so violent. And we see throughout this episode, a lot of video of her attacking her mom specifically. Um, and just being really violent and out of it like psychosis, as we say, but also drugs. And so she would keep, so the, they said, you know, you can't live here unless you get, stop doing the drugs. And of course that doesn't happen. And so, and I say, of course, just because we're only a third of the way through the episode, not because like I, that's an assumption about drug addicts. Um, so she keeps getting kicked out and it's essential. So now she's homeless um, because, you know, her parents literally can't keep her for fear of their own safety. And she's homeless, but she's continuing to have relationships with people and these people continue to be abusive because it's not that abused people search for abusers. It's that abusers search for abused people. I just want to put that out there. In most cases, that's why. So don't mistake causality for the wrong, like don't flip it. Then just please do yourself a favor and don't flip it. Um, on the other hand, I have somebody in my life that I'm very close to that is currently seeking somebody who's very, very dangerous and is also seeking drugs. And I'm really sad about that. And I'm frustrated with that person, but I also understand that it's coming from a lot of pain and dysfunction and a lot of things that I've, and trauma and things that I myself deal with every day. And even though I can't enable that person, um, it doesn't mean I, I don't love them or, un or understand in my own way or care. I just can't control them. And I also can't be enabling and I can't be taken advantage of. So that's really hard. Um, and that's why this family is at a loss. So he, again, here you'll hear the dad speaking of a time that recently, a recent time that Kelsey was in the hospital with two black eyes, among other things, um, uh, because of the abuse, of course, and just I don't want to say lifestyle because that 
to me, the word lifestyle always connotes judgment, but the circumstances of her life, I want to say, lead to these, these things very easily. And that is what we will play right now. We're having seizures. She was left for dead. Got the cops involved, but told everybody to F off, the nurses to F off, so we left her. Isn't that terrible to do as a parent? But she didn't want the help. What are we supposed to do? She wants to go back on the streets, but she's scared to. So we took her home. I want to have a, a quick shower before I go to bed. Well, then do it now, because people are going to bed. Because I myself. It's kind of like taking care of a child. She'll shower four to six times a day, because she says she feels dirty. Do you have shorts and uh, a top ready for me? You want underwear too? No, I don't need underwear. It's harder to put on. I might call you for help. She'll be so drunk sometimes where I have to go in there. Kels, are you laying down? Kels. She'll be in there for two hours. She'll fall asleep. Then we'll pick the lock. to go in there, help her get out of the tub, dry her off, get her dressed. Mom, is everything okay? You need help? Um, Charlie, would you mind your help? I can get up. Mother shouldn't be doing that for her 25-year-old daughter. Mommy. Okay, so that clip's really challenging to watch. Um, and here. But basically what we gather from that, if you couldn't tell, is they did need to let her come home. Again, um, that often happens in intervention. They'll say, we only let her come back or them come back because of the intervention. We know the intervention's coming. So she's living in the house at this time. Um, but she's really, really, really rapidly um, disintegrating. And if you couldn't tell, what she was telling her mom was that she soiled herself. Um, and that's why the mom was saying, you know, it's like taking care of a baby. Like she basically has to bathe her and then they have to break into the bathroom because she's passed out in there. And the sister is at home at this time. Her older sister is at the home at this time and that's who's talking. So it's really, really dire, this situation. Um, so again, I understand that it's, a bit clip heavy clip heavy on the front end uh but i i guess that's kind of my style but also there are just so many striking moments to me in this episode whereas some episodes it's like yeah you get the gist and we see kind of the same thing over and over again but it feels like every five seconds another scab is revealed about this story about Kelsey. And that's, I'm sure that's also personal bias just because it relates to things that people I love are dealing with and things that I've dealt with in the past. Again, the drugs are not my thing, but others. And uh, it's just poignant. So I guess I should stop explaining. <laughs> Listen to my therapist some more. So kind of to my point that Kelsey isn't naturally angry or aggressive towards her parents is that she 
she can't sleep alone. She often requires her mom to sleep with her because she's much like, a, she's like a little girl a lot of times, not just a baby, but like also a small girl because, you know, like, like her mom said, she feels dirty. She feels ashamed. She's extremely in the throes of trauma and she, it, I can't relate to the drug use of it all, but for me, trauma always made me feel like I just wanted to curl up and be a baby again. Like I don't want to deal with my body. I don't want to deal with reality. I don't want to deal with shame and dread all the time. I just wish I could be a baby. I wish I could be really little because that's when I remember things didn't feel like this. So that, you know, that's what the basis of my, my empathy there. But, um, yeah, she crawls into bed with mom and the dog and mom is exasperated and Kelsey, you know, she's 25, but in most ways she's really not. I think she stopped functioning at 14, although she did make it through college, which is pretty astounding. Um, just, you know, given the fact that she was already using really heavily at the time, but usually people that get this far and survive like this kind of shit are pretty fucking strong. So it takes a lot to take them down, I think, you know, and that may be a controversial thing to say. Um, and I don't believe in the adage that God doesn't give us any more than we can handle. I think that's definitely not the case because the world gives us things that, that are too much for us to handle sometimes, but different people handle things differently. And just because she's sick doesn't mean she doesn't have a core strength that's getting her through this is all that I'm all I'm trying to say. She has nightmares at night. She has flashbacks of trauma that has happened to her. She doesn't sleep very much because of it. Thank your hand. I have to lie with her and hold her hand all through the night. If you happen to sneak out, she'll, she'll call for you to come back. Mommy. Midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., screaming and screaming for her mom, screaming and screaming because she's scared. Guy and I kind of fight a lot more. I know lots of families that have broken up because of their kids' addictions. I just don't want to be one of them. We can't live like this anymore.
took my 